Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, hello, hello. I'm particularly delighted today to be joined by Youssef Minaya, who is the head of the Palestine-Israel uh, program at Arab the Arab Center, Washington, D.C., um, a brilliant U.S.-Palestinian uh, writer. I've been following um, his work throughout the horror of the last two and a half months now. Uh, Youssef, firstly, it's a big honor uh, for you to join us. Um, this is horrific uh, for anyone who cares about war crimes, human rights, that kind of thing. But for those um, who are of Palestinian heritage, this is a period of huge trauma. So I always appreciate people um, like yourself coming to speak about this. I just want to start with some comments made by uh, the UNA chief, Martin Griffiths, in the uh, Financial Times. He says that there's terrible suffering in other places, but at least those affected can flee. He says the human catastrophe is entering a new phase. It's disease, hunger, that's beginning to be the lead cause of death and deprivation. The death toll from disease could be multiples of that from fighting and airstrikes. That is generally what happens in war. We're only looking often at violent deaths at the moment, which have been recorded. Um, and he points out that those violent deaths from airstrikes, and bullets as well, of course, are dramatically undercounted because he said we're, we've yet to see what's under the rubble. These estimates are around 18,000 dead. Once you start digging under the rubble, the statistics change radically. In the case of February's Turkish earthquake, the number of those dead doubled. I just want to thought your thoughts on that, given what I would regard as quite extensive atrocity denial in which death figures have actually been doubted extensively, but they're actually likely to be a very substantial underestimate. Yeah, and, and thank you, Owen, very much for having me and for shining a light on this uh, on this issue. Um, you know, these the the point that um, was made there in the Financial Times uh, article uh, is is absolutely right. I mean, um, you know, the the level of destruction that we are seeing in Gaza is unprecedented in so many ways. Um, records are being set for the pace at which children are being killed aid workers are being killed, journalists are being killed. I mean, international organizations everywhere are saying that we've never seen anything like this. Uh, and yet we've barely started to see the scale of destruction that's really taken place on the ground. We don't know how many people are under the rubble, but we can expect that there are very significant numbers of people who are still trapped there. Um, the situation is dire on the ground. People cannot... Um, uh, reach those who are trapped. Um, if they're even able to get to the homes that were targeted, there are also areas that's important to remember that are closed off uh, and under the control of the Israeli military. Uh, and there are, you know, many people who may have been killed or injured or left to die, not under the rubble, but out in the street in areas where people simply can't get to because they're closed off zones. Um, and so, uh, one day, and I, I hope that day comes as soon as possible when this ends, um, we're going to realize that the horrors that were inflicted on the people of Gaza are even more severe than the record-setting horrors that we think 
have taken place already. I mean, it, it, many people have made this point, but in a this Israel was a state which was, for example, an enemy of the West. Then the calls for military intervention would have been deafening actually quite a long time ago. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you know, I mean, one of the things that we've been seeing from Western states, of course, is is the the support of this, and I think a large part of that is because, you know, Israel effectively lost the war on October seventh, the day that the day that that this all this most recent round started, and October seventh reflected a major failure of policy, policy Israeli policy and policy that was supported by Western governments. Um, and this, of course, was a very difficult reality to sort of accept. And what we've been seeing since then is an effort by both the Israeli government and their Western backers to try to save face um, after uh, this massive failure on October 7th. Uh, and of course, we knew from the outset that this was going to be horrifically bl bloody. And of course, we knew that it was not going to bring us anywhere closer to peace. And yet, we saw nothing but full backing from Western governments from this for over two months now. And now you're starting to hear the refrain from some of these Western capitals that, okay, we need a ceasefire. Um, okay, Israel has gone too far. But the reality is we knew that this is where things were going to go two months ago. This was entirely predictable that we were going to be here. And now you're starting to hear narratives from Western capitals about how the way that Israel has conducted this operation is counterproductive because it's only going to increase support, for example, for Hamas and not really be able to eliminate uh, the, the, the uh, group as an idea, right? Um, and again, all of this was entirely predictable from the outset. So why? We have to ask the question, why? Did so many people have to die for Western governments to finally come to this conclusion that Palestinians were not going to be bombed into liking Israelis? I could have told you that long ago, and uh, thousands of people could still uh, be with us. I mean, just on that, I wrote a column back in October, which was about this phenomenon we saw after the Iraq war, where people said, who backed the war, who said, if I knew then what I know now, so there's this formula used by those who tried to, you know, well, if I had the information available now, they wouldn't have backed that. And um, that I felt that this would be revived in the case of Gaza as if it wasn't predictable. I'm just interested, given at the moment we've got Rishi Sunak, the prime minister here in Britain, now saying too many civilians have died in Gaza. Um, you have the former defence secretary here, conservative as well, um, who says that, uh, Gaza, that Israel is conducting a killing rage, um, essentially accusing Israel of war crimes, I would say, and saying that he will fuel the conflict for another 50 years, um, that um, uh, that this is radicalizing, he says, Muslim youth across the world. What do you think of that when you get, or Biden, when he said, um, said it was indiscriminate bombing? What do you think of that in the context of the fact that Western governments, particularly the US, have facilitated this from the get-go? Well, let's let's take both of these things separately for for a moment. The comments from from Sinek and 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 the comments from Biden, because I think they each speak to something important. You know, uh, in terms of uh, Sinek saying too many civilians have died, what's the number? What's the threshold beyond which we got to a point where we we finally discovered a conscience here in in the West? 
I've been asking that question from the very beginning. How many Palestinian civilians have to die before you figure out that this is not this is not helpful um, and 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 it has to come to an immediate end? Apparently, that number for uh, the the UK is somewhere around eighteen or twenty thousand, whatever the number is uh, today. It's hard to tell because it keeps going up. But it wasn't at fifteen thousand. It wasn't at Ten thousand, for whatever reason, they decided that that this is the value of human life to the uh, to the United Kingdom when it comes to to Palestinians. And for the United States, of course, that number seems to be higher because we're not there yet. Um, uh, and at the same time, and here we'll talk about Biden's comments. Uh, he's acknowledged uh, last week, and it wasn't the first time, by the way. He acknowledged again in November that the Israelis had been engaged in indiscriminate bombing. Um, you know, this is an acknowledgement, not just that the Israelis are committing war crimes, but also that the president of the United States is failing to enforce American law as it relates to the transfer of weapons to another military, um, uh, which, of course, the United States is not just engaged in, but engaged in to a massive degree and is looking for ways to expedite this process without the oversight of Congress. Um, and and so it just it just speaks to a colossal moral failure on the part of these leaders who, um, you know, in the same breath, tell us that they care about human rights, that they care about a rules based order um, and, and dare speak about leading the the free world. I mean, I'm interested in that that very crucial point you just made there, because, you know, at the moment, there's a sitting Labour, sorry, a sitting British member of parliament, belongs to the Liberal Democrats, live tweeting a massacre at the church in Gaza, in which, for example, um, well, the, I mean, the scenes are apocalyptic there, and two um, Christian Palestinians were, were shot dead by the IDF, who deny it, but no one believes a word they say, um, that we had um, reports of uh, at a besieged hospital um, tents with wounded patients being bulldozed by the Israeli army with starving cats feasting on the bodies of those killed. Um, where we have, um, you know, just the constant bombing of wiping out entire families off the face of the earth, whether they be the families of journalists, UN aid workers or ordinary citizens. I'm just interested in terms of a lot of the world did not take Western moral authority very seriously already, and they, they thought it was based on hypocrisy. Um, but I don't see how the West now, I mean, if you look at Syria at the moment and Assad committing war crimes in a school, how could the West with a straight face condemn that now? And I'm just interested in what you think that legacy will be in terms of the claims to moral authority, which Western power uses um, in order to basically, I guess, um, um, assert its own right to, to, to global hegemony, basically. Yeah, you know, I think um, we saw the United States take a major sort of blow to its credibility after it launched the war against uh, Iraq some 20 years ago. Um, you know, at least with Afghanistan, there were many people who could um, rationalize that war as an effort to go after the perpetrators of, of 9-11 in some way. But Iraq was, you know, nobody understood how this made sense, even among Western allies. Um, and, and I don't think the United States has ever really recovered from that in terms of its global uh, credibility and only done greater damage to itself. And I think of this moment as one that is far, far more significant. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. 
Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, uh, which is, uh, you know, quite something when you consider how big of a deal the the Iraq war was and for how long it lasted. But I think in these last couple of months, both um, because of the scale of the atrocities that are taking place, because of the extent to which um, the uh, United States has been willing to um, uh, to back them, um, despite you know all all the 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 facts we see on the ground to the to the contrary about what this really is about um and the fact that it's happening in palestine and and this this piece i think is is important much of the world looks at palestine differently um than uh than other spots of the world um and the reason uh, is is complicated um and, and multifaceted for 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 one thing you know, this is the longest lasting occupation um, yeah. in uh, in the world. Uh, it is one of the last spots to achieve liberation from colonization. Um, and especially throughout the third world and among, um, you know, communities that care about justice and human rights, um, Palestine is a magnifying lens. Um, everything that happens there um, is, uh, has, a, has a tremendous uh, impact. And it's also a spot where the West, of course, meets uh, the East and this narrative of uh, human rights and democracy um, becomes so clearly uh, exposed. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that even though, um, you know, the, the Iraq war and we should not minimize uh, the, the, the horrors of, um, of that aggression, um, th- this, this moment um, is probably even more significant in terms of damage to American credibility uh, around the world. I'm just interested in your thoughts in terms of the media coverage. I've worked now in the British media industry for 12 years. Um, I'm a white guy from Northern England. I feel like I'm going mad over the level of dehumanization. The, the, just the sense that isn't subtle, that Palestinian life has no meaningful value at all. That correctly, um, the death, the killing of an Israeli civilian is rightly seen as intolerable. Um, but there is, as you suggested earlier on, uh, there was there was no limit to the number of Palestinian civilians. Uh, well, now they say, oh, you know, maybe they've gone too far. We're talking about over 10,000 kids dead already, as it is, killed, sorry, I should stop saying die. Um, and perhaps, according to the independent Euromed Human Rights Monitor, around 25,000 civilians. And these are violent deaths, as I said before. We know that the overall death toll 
from the collapse, basically, of society, healthcare system, uh, hunger, and just people with underlying health conditions. I mean, it goes on and on and on. I mean, this is a, a very large number, a proportion of, of guards in society is going to die. Um, what do you think about that, just the media coverage and just how Palestinian life has been treated throughout this from, from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, in some ways, it's a it's a reflection of longstanding sort of um, um, Islamophobia and racism towards people of the region. Um, that part of it is not particularly new. Um, and in this moment, uh, it's on steroids. Um, it's also, I think, a response to the positions of elected officials. Uh, and the media is following the lead of elected officials uh, whose statements um, characterize Palestinian life in this very dehumanizing way. I mean, you look at, for example, here in the United States, the, um, you know, the language of the Biden administration, particularly at the outset uh, of this a couple months ago, um, you know, was, was tremendously dehumanizing to uh, to Palestinians. And we've had several Palestinian Americans here in the United States targeted and killed um, with, uh, with, with direct violence um, because Americans who are hearing and digesting this information from their officials in the media identify Palestinians as Palestinians uh, to be uh, worthy targets uh, of, of deadly violence. So, you know, the, the, the media is responding a lot to officials here. And when you heard the president of the United States, you know, say that, um, you know, the, the death toll that's being reported in Gaza um, is inaccurate and that he can't trust the Palestinians to relay the truth. I mean, you know, th this is a kind of language that we have not even seen from previous American administrations when it comes to um, the dehumanization of Palestinians. It's really reached a new low. And I think, you know, there's always been tremendous shortcomings in terms of media coverage of this issue. Um, but in this moment, I think a lot of it is due to um, the shaping of coverage really around the dehumanizing positions of uh, government officials um, that are uh, that that are leading a lot of the news on this. Asking to talk about hope might seem like a, at best, eccentric thing to do right now. I am wondering, I mean, we've seen these massive mobilizations in support of Palestine, the biggest mobilizations ever on a global scale in support of the Palestinians. If you look at the polling, uh, there has been a shift towards a ceasefire in Britain. It's overwhelming, but in America as well. Um, now that that shift has, has certainly happened, but also younger generations, the polling shows are more sympathetic towards the Palestinian people than any other previous generation. Do you see that as a a potential source of hope that actually, despite the absolute horror, this has been in the worst possible way, quite an educational experience for lots of people. If I look at the comments under my videos, a lot of people who frankly were not that engaged in Palestine before, suddenly this has become something which has had quite a searing impact on them, I would say. Do you, what do you see in terms of the future? Could that be something which provides some hope in the way if we look at apartheid South Africa, international you know shift in attitudes and, and that becoming a something people in the west uh, were were forced to care about that made an impact absolutely I mean, and you know and in south africa uh, people point to sharpville and the sharpville massacre as sort of that that um mm -hmm. major mobilizing yeah. moment um and you know in, in palestine we've had so many sharpvilles um and um you know one wonders how many uh it 
it really is going to take to finally get to that uh, tipping point. Um, but I do think you're right that we are seeing mobilizations now that are uh, unprecedented. Um, and we saw, you know, similar things after 2014, for example, when the Israelis also carried out a massive war in Gaza for, um, you know, two months at the time. Um, it, you know, one of the one of the outcomes of that was a tremendous global mobilization that led to an uptick in all kinds of efforts, including boycott, divestment, and sanction efforts. Uh, within global civil society to try to hold Israel to account for its human rights and international law violations. And I think, you know, one of the things that we're seeing now is similarly um, massive global mobilization in response to this. And we will continue to see after this war, the carryover effect of that um, in organizing and activism um, that um, will not forget uh, about this moment. Um, the question, you know, that that I keep returning to is, um, is this enough? And uh, and how much of this will it take to actually lead to change in policy? Um, and there's no doubt that there is change in public opinion, particularly among the younger generation. Um, but there is also a tremendous uh, repressive effort now to try to silence and intimidate um, people who are speaking up for Palestine, whether it's in the policing of protests, whether it's in the intimidation of, of people in the workplace or at universities. Um, and this repression is escalating precisely because the mobilization for Palestinian rights is also escalating. And at some point, um, we, get, we get to that critical mass. We get to that tipping point. I just hope that it doesn't take too many more Palestinian sharp fills uh, for people to get there. Absolutely. Um, Yusuf, it was such an honor to be able to speak to you um, in these horrendous times, but uh, voices of people like yourself right now more needed than ever. And uh, it was great to have that clarity um, and that wisdom. So uh, please like and subscribe uh, and do share this video uh, to get Yusuf's message out. But Yusuf, thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you, Owen. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.